combination of velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this of McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer. Whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scores. The two young bucks who underlined their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, a rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black, and white. My name is Gabriel, and I'm frankly honoured this week to be joined by my good friend and fellow Bath fan and BBC correspondent, Tom. Tom, I only thought you spoke to the BBC these days. I am strictly on the books for the the BBC. Um, Yeah, national radio broadcaster, multiple types (laughs) of media, radio and and BBC Sport. It should be an honour for you to speak to me, G, and... um, Glad finally to get a bit of respect on this podcast after, <laughs> after six years. Yeah, the respect only goes as far as the intro, but no, good to see you on the BBC and a bit of a weird one that. Yeah, I mean, I've taken a bit of stick for it in, in, in the last <laughs> in the last few days. You've done interview, both done interviews with different, uh, mainly local radio, um, not with Radio One before, but yeah, about twelve minutes of tape I gave on on Friday morning to a a really nice. Um, a really nice um, bloke for the DJ for the BBC called Sam, um, and they cropped possibly the two most mundane, trite comments that <laughs> I made. And I make a few. Anyone that's listened to this podcast knows that I make a few. But yeah, what was it? First one, dare to dream, and then the only <laughs> other one I could find um, something yeah equally equally mundane. But yeah, we are. Um, I made a plug for this podcast as I always do, G. But being the BBC, that didn't that didn't go go particularly far. But loyalty will always lie here. Yeah, it was a, a Mick from Gavin and Stacey. <laughs> yeah. If, if ever, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people get that reference. Lots of you, our friends and and family, kind of gathered round the radio at five forty five on the first day. Nothing. Nothing. And on then there. the next day, nine thirty, um, and we got about thirty seconds. Well, less than that, about five seconds of of insight um 40 minutes of your insight to come on this podcast and yeah we are going to talk all things um world cup at the end of the podcast and another epic weekend but I've... one other thing as well they said uh, he said to me at the end of the interview he said oh, if, if, if this goes well then we'll probably be in touch on on sunday to get a bit of reaction no word. <laughs> <laughs> Not a peep. Are you happy? You're surely happy about Taxpayers' that. money going to good use, though. No me on Sunday. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't have fancied it too much on the Sunday. No, tough, tough Saturday night for, for England, South Africa, taking the lead with three minutes to go and, and just holding on to defeat England and progress to the final against New Zealand. That looks like a tasty prospect. But we must not bury the lead here on the Bath Rugby plug. We've got to talk about Bath Rugby. Premiership leaders Bath Rugby, the only team with 10 points from a possible 10. Our first ever win at the Stonex, not just since it was rebranded as the Stonex, as you thought, but also at the Allianz. First ever win in that kind of Midlands, London-based ground. 
and what a start for for Bath it's been. Well, it's the it's been the the the, the joke. We've been the, the butt of the joke for the last few seasons. We're only top of the league right at the start when mm. zero games are played because obviously alphabetically we we're starting. We've tum- we, we we start first and um, we've tumbled down the table over over recent seasons. But yeah, fantastic. We spoke about in in our, in our preseason podcast that we are quite fortunate with both injuries and with players available given given who's mm. in France for the World Cup and we've really made it pay, you know, two solid five point wins and yeah, couldn't have been couldn't have been a better start. And nice to break the duck of, of, of the Stone X. I mean yeah. I thought they must how long have they been playing there, did you say? So two thousand and ten, um, they moved from Vicarage Road. Um no, sorry. Yeah, 2010, they've moved from Vicarage Road. So they won Bath on five games at Vicarage Road. Also beat Saracens at Franklin's Gardens when there was a football game at Watford. So six wins they had at Vicarage Road, but not beaten Saracens away since 2010. Um, and yeah, 16-25 points. Not just a win, a bonus point win for Bath. And denying Saracens of anything to keep them firmly rooted to the table is a pretty surreal start to the season. Yeah, and I think we should say as well, as we did last week in, in the, when, when we spoke about their you know, record premiership defeat mm. in Exeter, this isn't a bad side for Saracens. No. Yes, they're missing you know, what you'd probably call the spine of their side, your Farrell, your Ben Earl, your Jamie George, etc., Elliot Daly. But... And, and those guys will make a difference, to be clear. I don't expect Saracens to remain bottom of the table all season. But it's still a very, very solid Saracens mm. team that they put out. And as you said when we were watching the game back, it's not a lightweight side. No. No, certainly not a, a lightweight side. You look at that kind of back five of the pack. Yeah. And you've got um, Hunter Hill and Ezekwe, Christie, um, uh, the boy uh, Willis, Willis uh, and McFarlane. That is a weighty, you know, all all six, all five of them could could play lock or, or, or number six. So, yeah, really kind of um, physically imposing Saracens team, but also a really quite experienced Saracens team. Um, you look across that pack, there's experience, but then you've also got Lozowski, you've got Manu Vinopolo, who's played a few seasons now in the Premiership. You've got Good, you've got Lewington, you've got Shagan, who's played you know a few Maitland. seasons now. Maitland. These are experienced boys, and I think what was so impressive was that the game... The game became uh, uh, one of those games you would think Saracens would dominate, and we'll get into the detail of it, but it was a game specifically in that second half that was won by the team that was going to dominate territory. And Bath, to their absolute credit, scored some great tries in the first half, but in that second half, when it got physical, when it got attritional, they were the team that continued to dominate. And I, and I thought that was, was so, so satisfying from, from a Bath point of view. Yeah, maybe before we come on to the, the, the Bath side and, and, and maybe the selection as well, because I think there's some interesting mm. points in there. You know, Nick Asikwe, a guy that is rumoured to have, have, have mm. been in some kind of discussions with Bath, probably an area that, that you said we're, we're very keen to add to. Maybe he's seen that gritty performance and that gritty style of play we've started and he might be turning his bald head in the direction of, of the southwest. Who knows? One man who's already got his bald head firmly in the southwest is our partner and great Bath hooker, Tom oh, Dunn. That's a shame. I'm pretty sure that's a breach of contract. Well, we've been getting the podcast far and wide across national 
uh, media this weekend. So, yeah, maybe I can throw Danny a little bit under the bus. But this is, of course, the Bath Rugby Plug brought to you by Black and White Butchers. Tom Dunn's very own Black and White Butchers. Check out their Instagram for some mouth-watering hog roasts. And, as always, check out their stand next to the Swift Half in the wreck if you are going to the wreck this weekend for the clash against Leicester Tigers well, and our Instagram as well I mean it's mm. taken a bit of a um, extended break we mainly operate on, on Twitter a little bit on Facebook and even less so on Gmail and I can be I can be bothered to, to check those um, but yeah back on Instagram so if you're on Instagram at Bath Rugby Plug is that even the handle <laughs> um, you'll find us there anyway and we're, we're, we're posting more and more content so a plug for that as well so we're posting more and more content the plug is posting more and more content. Yeah, we won't be pulling up the curtain on that one, but you know, there's there's media going out there. <laughs> there is media going out there, and it is way improved media. And I'm also conscious that people probably have no idea that you're on the BBC at the weekend. Not everybody is listening to Newsbeat or fro- scrolling through the BBC News feed of the game. So the content did also go out on our Instagram. So check out the Instagram to get the inside scoop on what Tom was doing at the weekend. Tom, let's get into the game then. Um, and as you say, when the teams came out on Friday afternoon, I was a little bit concerned. You know, it was the headline grab was that Finn Russell was making his first bath start at fly half. Um, but no Ted Hill, no Will Muir and no Benno Abano, all of who were um, injury doubts following the first game against Newcastle Falcons. So clearly a little bit of concern there. And I think in the lead-up to the game and then since the game, there's been a bit of light shed on, on all of those injuries. Yeah, I mean, I guess firstly the the, the good news. So Will Muir, a pure selection um, issue and a, and a rest and rotate, obviously long-term injury last season. And we're playing games back to back now until February. So Ron McConaughey came in and pleased to see him get a, a start. Ben Urbano picked up a knock um, I think it was on his knee. I need to I need to double check, but he's not named in the injury report. He was back training on the Thursday prior to the game, so it's available. Well, is now available for selection. You'd hope, but I guess no point kind of rushing him back with versatility. We've got with the toy there on that artificial pitch. As yeah, well. good point. Good point. Yeah, very kind of um, yeah. It was a period of time when players with bad knees wouldn't play at all. Yeah, we slayed to Luke Charteris is as well. If you if you remember, and then Ted Hill the bad news so he had a hamstring injury which was sustained during that Newcastle game last week um, and he had he had surgery on that almost immediately um, and it's going to last a number of months is what the, the club has said so yeah probably running at least into the new year January February um, hopefully not later at least not a, a season ender but terrible news because he's you know he's one of yeah. the first things on the team sheet yeah, he, he is, and terrible news for from a Bath point of view, certainly from Bath fans' point of view. He's been really great in the almost 12 months that he's been at the club now, but also really terrible news for Ted Hill himself. You know, thinking back to our interview with Johan van Graan at the start of the season, Johan said that he had to convince Ted that he was going to play 50 times for England um, in order for him to kind of decide to think that Bath was the right project, and when England do finally leave France, 
it's going to be a little bit of a turnover of players and to have Hill not available for that first selection is really devastating for him and I'm sure he'll, his rugby will, will roar on another mm. look but it's you know a really bad timing for, for Tanner. Yeah. yeah, 100%. I guess from a squad point of view, even though he is one of our, you know, as we, we, we both sung his praises to you, he's one of our top players, it is a position where we're very, very strong. You know, look at Miles Reed, Sam Underhill to come back, Chris Clurter, mm. um, JJ Tonks, like in, in that position specifically. Then you've got guys like Ewan Richards, PJ Van Belzer, and obviously Barbary and Kutsia and mm. Neil Merrigan. So it's a it's if you look at our squad, we're pretty stacked there. Oh, boy. So even though he is obviously such a quality operator, in a way you'd looking at it completely rationally, you you know, without emotion, you would prefer it to be him than someone like a Ben Spencer or a Ben Urbano where, you know, we are much thinner and the drop-off so much more. Yeah, still really devastating news for, for Ted and, and for Bath fans. Um, as I said, though, the, the headline grabber was Finn Russell starting and, and that was certainly the headline grabber of the first 10 minutes. He waltzed out onto the Stonex Um then produced a left-footed chip, which was charged down by Andy Christie, followed up by an absolute moment of brilliance where he jinked, fended, made a half-break and threw a 10-yard out the back of the hand offload to Tom de Glanville, who streaked into the corner. Finn at the centre of both tries, both good and bad. The roller coaster well and truly began at the Stonex. I think we're going we're gonna to get more and more of that. And I'd like to think as he, as he beds in, that we'll see much, much more of the good than we will of, of the bad. Um, certainly we've seen that for Scotland. But yeah, I mean, the, the charge down was weird. He was kicking quite a lot with his left foot in that in that game. I'm not sure if that's something he's just experimenting with or, or trying to dial in. But it those moments are made more frustrating when he is obviously acting as casually yeah. as he is. And when he's walking out with his you know water bottle still there, it looks like he's, he's barely warmed up. Um, as I said last week, but I, I do not believe you can get to that level without being training very, very hard. But it, perhaps not as hard as someone like a, a you know a Miles Reed. But he clearly is training hard. So I wouldn't take that casual attitude completely at face value. Um, but I think overall, you know, another decent performance mm. with him by him. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. There were a lot of ups and downs in this performance. And when we've signed Finn Russell, their needs to be more ups than they are downs. We can't just have a roller coaster ride. He needs to lead this team um, and kind of drive this team with with kind of 90% good. Um, and I, I saw on the Sunday, in, in parts of the Sunday game on TNT Sport, they were kind of showing like, you know, Russell for Bath and there were the two or three things that he did fantastically. And that portrays it in a way that I just don't think is 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 completely right. Yeah, the offload for yeah. the try was was sublime, and there were a couple of other passes yeah. and, and little breaks which were really fantastic. But there were two charge down kicks. There was um, his kicking at goal was 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 pretty poor, um, to be honest with you. Um, under the high ball, there was three times when it was him his ball that kind of was let to hit the ground. There was a couple of passes that went to ground and. I just hope, and I think that this is just him getting to know all of the players around him, bedding himself into the system, getting off a little bit of rust that may have been there from from not playing loads of rugby at, at the Rugby World Cup, and that come the middle of this this massive period of rugby, 
that that element of his game will be gone and it will just be much more of the stuff that the TNT Sports Show and that I'm sure everybody has seen. Yeah. Because that stuff can win us games. That stuff can eventually potentially win us trophies, but it can't be as up and down as it was. That just isn't going to work. No, and we're not going to get on the bandwagon that it's it's all good. I mean, that's already predetermined, that narrative, from if you look at TNT and most of the, the rest of the media. Um but we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that he did produce some really nice moments. For sure. Only, I think, going to get better. I'd be surprised if he gets worse. And we got a bonus point away at Saracens, and we're two from two with yeah. him being involved in both games. Yeah, and he was involved, but there's also some some massive other impacts yeah. from, from other guys. Some lovely tries in that first half. Lovely try. So, as I said, the Glanville streak down the right-hand side for the first try. Miles Can Reed. believe his luck. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's not seen too much of that um, no. in, a, in a bar 15 share. Miles Reed scored the second try under the posts. A, a really easy try. A pen into the corner. One back carry Will Butt. One forward carry Ryan Schumann. And we run under the posts. Um, and then the third try on 21 minutes, which made it 10-17, was a, a cross kick from the base from, from Ben Spencer. Gathered by our boy, our original boy, Rory McConaughey, who, who kind of battled his way to the line, riding one tackle and, and scoring in the corner. Um, that made it 10 17. Yeah, yeah, and just on that, so the, o, the OG or maybe the OC, the original carrot, um, he, I, don't, I think they said on comms that it was the first time he'd scored since, well, it was 2021, I think it was. Was it November 2021? Mm. Might well, well be. could even been earlier in that in that particular season, but yeah, such a neat bit of play from Ben Spencer. My word, has he started this season well? And we'll get back to Bath quickly, but just just question for you. You know, with Danny Care, Ben Young moving on, there are young prospects there. But will are we at risk of losing El Capitano? Well, so I so I I'll just take the Spencer performance. For one, I thought it was outstanding. His his box kicking and control was excellent, but his his ball is noticeably quicker, um, and particularly in that first twenty minutes when we scored those first three tries, his ball is is way quicker. And there was a small gripe around sometimes him slowing it down, and I think maybe that was a lack of confidence in, in the runners that were coming and the direction he was maybe getting from five half. That's gone now, and his ball is quick. He's getting there and it's going away. Um, so I think absolutely he is he's deserving of a um, of a call up for the England squad. I thought Mitchell actually had a decent game in the semi final, mm. um, despite a pretty up and down tournament. Um, and then you've also got Randall um, and Quirk. I guess would be the other lads that are pushing through there. Um, and Portfleet, well. and Portfleet, of course, yeah. But yeah, I think he's absolutely justified uh, a selection, and 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 I don't know whether it will come, whether it won't. It's been baffling the selections of Spencer, but I think importantly, it won't have nearly as big an impact on Bath if he does get selected for England for the Six Nations, because there is almost no Premiership rugby for mm. for that period of, of the Six Nations. Now it is a a kind of ten team league, um, and they're they're just running with rugby up until that point. They're breaking and then they're coming back. So. There will obviously be an element of, of time lost, particularly if he features heavily in that Six Nations, um, but it won't be nearly as, as impactful um, as it has been in previous seasons. And, and that, that kind of period is going to be really interesting and, and won't be, a, a, you know, that impact of not having those teams and not having to play through the Six Nations will be, will be an interesting period. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, just, just turning it back to the game, um, 
you know, I think it's worth saying, and it, you can take this in two different ways, that Sarri didn't offer a huge amount. I mean, throughout the game, but particularly when those tries were being scored in, in the first half, when conditions were much, much better, there was a lack of any kind of attacking threat. And even more surprisingly for Saracens, execution was so poor. I mean, I, I, one uh, moment in particular in that first half with a few minutes to go with a line-out right down deep in our R22, and it was thrown not straight. And I know that the, the, the young hooker is... Um, obviously, they're missing their two first-choice hookers in George and, and Dan, but I still think that you don't tend to see those kind of system errors from from, from Saracens or just basic lack of execution. Um, on the flip side, I think we can take quite a lot of um, confidence from the fact that we, outside that charge down, which is kind of like a freak try mm. for a defensive system, we didn't really let them get close and we mm. let them score a few penalties, but they got nowhere near scoring a try. And I think the you know JP and, and, and the rest of the coaches can be pretty pleased that we're seeing clear improvements in that part of the game when many of those players, I think I counted six or seven of those players in the 15, were involved two seasons ago in mm. putting 71 points on us at home. So it's better. And that was the case in the first half when, you're right, conditions were good. But it was also the case in the second half and throughout. They scored 16 points in the game. Seven of them were off the, the back of a of an error from, from Bath. And I think listening to Johan's um, post-match chat with the Premiership Rugby TV guys, he had the first name that he mentioned was, was JP Ferreira and how yeah. the plan that <clears throat> excuse me they put in place to defend Saracens worked absolutely beautifully. And I think you're right. We never really gave them a sniff. Um, and when they did get in and around the 22 and in a half, the system was just never broke down. And I thought it was a really, really great defence. Yeah, and I, I think two things that it looked like we were focusing on was swarm them. Like, a, a high line speed and just not allow Manu Vunapola, who's an inexperienced and at times, as we saw in the last game of the season, uh, a little bit, um, a little bit, what's the word? A little bit frantic, maybe. And then I also felt the other part of the game that we did really well was the kick chase. Mm. And Alex Goode, who is a guy that is such a good premiership player and has been for many seasons, you know, we kicked 35 times out of hand during that game. And I think we made it Ooh. so difficult for him and put him under so much pressure in what were terrible conditions or very grim conditions in that that second half. So I think those two elements of the defensive system, I don't know if that was a plan from JP. Maybe we should get him on and ask him. But I think those two elements worked really well. And I think in in contrast to that, I thought Tom de Glanville had a, had a strong game. Um, there was a lot of kicking from both sides. Um, Spencer yeah. and... Alan Davis, the Saracen scrum half, trading box kick after box kick. Um, and I think the Glamble wasn't perfect, but I thought most of the time he was really, really strong and commanded that area um, along with McConaughey. It's definitely not Big Joe's game. No. I thought, thought we saw that. Um, and that's one for Joe certainly to work on. But I thought we completely dominated that, that kicking battle area. Um, which was always going to be key, and it became key, Tom, even more so as we moved into the second half. So 13.20 at half-time, and then the weather completely turned. Um, looked to be a pretty grim one for mm. the, the the bar fans that had travelled up to the Stonex, and a grim one for, for some of the players as well. It was really, really nasty, um, rain and wind, and the quality of the game definitely suffered. And in those kind of 
games and in those moments the territory the territorial battle is, is absolutely key um, and I think the way that you win territory is not just through kicking better but it's also through discipline it's also through error count and it's also through set piece and they're the three areas that you've got to nail if you're going to dominate territory and win games like that win any games Win any games, correct, but win particularly games in those conditions against Saracens. And it was so satisfying to see that Bath were the team that, that came out on top in a game like that against a team that have won, well, a few illegitimate, a few, illeg- a few illegitimate premierships and a few illegitimate European Cups playing exactly that way. Yeah, definitely. I and mean, you spoke about trading box kicks. Penalties were being traded. By, by the referee in, in the early part of that first half. He didn't have a particularly... What was his name? Um, Hamish Miles. Hamish Smalls. Smales. Smales. Hamish Smales. He, yeah, he didn't seem to have a particularly, particularly good handle of the scrum. He gave mm. I think, two to us and then and then two to them. So kind of, ball was kind of whipsawing between, um, between, between our half and their half. Um... And it was quite scrappy, you know, the standard of play went down materially, like you said. And I think a big moment, and one when we started to win the penalty count and the set piece, to your point, was on 49 minutes when um, Tom Dunn and Thomas Toy came on, and I know you enjoyed the few minutes that followed. Mate, I loved the performance of Thomas Toy on Saturday. I think I put a tweet out um, just referencing the fact that although um, Russell will probably grab the headlines, Detroit, for me, was man of the match, despite only playing 30 minutes. And, and he was the main takeaway I'll have. He actually lost a penalty against on his first scrum immediately after he had come on, but then proceeded to win three scrum penalties and score the winning try and just secure, him and Tom Dunn, just secure that game up. I, uh, yeah, it was a really great performance from, from Thomas Detroit. It was, yeah, it was, it was the Bath Bomb squad. And they, 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 Close to the bay, they, they changed, they changed the game massively. Um, he wasn't boring in there. He, he wasn't. He wasn't um, <laughs> difficult to pour in from loose head, but you know, he. And that is the other thing is that he played tight Correct. in that first game, and he just switches with Abano not being available and Archie Griffin coming in on the tight head. That is so valuable, as as we've been saying. And for a tall man at six foot two to play loose head, he's. The, I think the only other player that I can think of, and I was doing some Googling, who's been that tall and played loose head, is Andrew Sheridan. Mm. The power that you've got to have, the technical ability you have to have to keep driving straight and to not just allow um, your tight head just to come straight through is phenomenal. And he looked devastating in that that loose head shirt. And yeah, just the, the power that he, he, he came on with two strong scrummaging second rows behind him in McNally and, and Charlie Yules, I think it was it was devastating. Yeah, some people may not have watched this game in full. Obviously, not a TNT game. Um, the the full game is now available for free on Premiership Rugby, and I would implore Bath fans to go back and watch, particularly that last thirty minutes of of Detroit. The the way in which he just sets his feet in the scrum, and then it just goes forward, and he just. Yeah, obliterates everything in, in his path as, as he moves forward for three scrummages. It's just extremely satisfying to watch. This guy couldn't get in the, the South African squad. 
they've got a good scrummaging outfit, to be fair. But blimey, O'Reilly, <laughs> I'm I'm happy about it because yeah, the impact was was just pivotal because that game's in the balance at sixteen twenty, right? Four points in it, Saracens at home, it's nip and tuck. And for him to score that try and then have that dominance, it was yeah. However much we're paying him, I think he's going to prove right. Yeah, and they they know. Saracens now to close out those games and win those tight games. I think the other thing, the other the other part of our game that that has been working really well is the line out. You know, it's windy, grim conditions. We changed hooker, um, changed lift, continued to function really well, and we we saw what a weapon that could be when we got that working for us last season. I think credit to to Charlie Yules who's come back into the side, isn't captain, and is just focused on calling the line out and, and seems to be doing it really well. Blimey, Charlie Yule's credit on this podcast. Absolutely. Who would have thought um, we'd see the day? A, a really good win. Satisfying victory. Um, yeah, a weird one. That's not the sort of game that we've won in previous years. And yeah, credit to, to those boys. Yeah, and the eyes aren't on the Premiership. And there'll be many Bath fans who are naturally focusing on the World Cup. And uh, these results are, uh, are coming in. And, and I guess people are thinking, you know, these are seriously second string sides. But... I, I really encourage people to go back and look at that game, look at the sides. These are proper wins that we're starting to mm. put together. We're not at, at full strength as well. A couple of injuries and a few players players missing. And um, this is a really, really good start. Excellent start. That kind of put me in great spirits on Saturday afternoon as I headed out to the pub to watch the semi-final England v South Africa. And, yeah, you told me on BBC, Tom, that I must dare to dream. So I went in daring to dream, um, and it was a it was a titanic tussle. A, a, a good performance from England, a really good performance from England, and just a devastating way to lose, leading throughout, and then just getting pipped at the end from that. A nice Pollard kick and a, and an impact from from Ox and Che in particular that there was just too much for England in the end. Yeah, we, we couldn't have started better, could we? It's 6-0 up, disrupting their line out. We looked so up for it. We were winning the collisions, which was which was incredible against that, that South African unit. And yeah, it just got a little bit too much. We, you know, changed our props. They changed their props and Ox and Che, that was absolutely devastating. 30 minutes, one of the most impactful half an hour or so of of, of, of rugby you'll see from a from a from an individual player and yeah Andre Pollard to nail that in controversial circumstances as well as well from from Ben O'Keefe. Devastating. It's it's, it's it's one of those where it's kind of like the podium um, analogy with you know say the Olympics or something. When you come second, it's almost a disappointment because you don't win. But when you come third, in a way, you're pleased that you, you made it onto the podium. And I kind of felt a little bit like that after the game. If that had been the 20-point, relatively comfortable game, I almost would have felt better. And obviously, I, I'm uh, you've got to commend the effort, even in a losing performance. And by God, we got used to doing that. But because we got so close, mm. it's almost more disappointing. Yeah, it was devastating. It was devastating because... You just love it to go on one more week and have a shot at a pretty tasty-looking New Zealand side, but a beatable New Zealand side. Um, but it just wasn't to be, um, and it's just disappointing. It's over, really. Yeah, well, not quite over. We've got to have this farce of the a game against Argentina and imagine having to get back up for for training. In just that let game. the boys come home. I know, I know. 
And maybe we should mention, I, I wanted to mention, yeah. um, just briefly, Will Stewart, take a little bit of a step back and, and think about how he's he's getting on. Because it's not been a World Cup that he will be, be pleased with. He's dropped out of the 23 completely for that game. Um, I think he's played one game um, in total during the World Cup, or he, he may have come off the bench on, on another occasion as well. But he's firmly the third-choice prop behind Carl Sinclair, which we thought potentially could be a possibility, but also behind Dan Cole. And, yeah, I, I think the fact that Dan Cole was was chosen to start that game, particularly after what happened four years ago, it is a bit of an indictment on how Carl Sinclair and Will Stewart, the guy coming through, have been have been playing. Mm. How, how would you kind of assess how he is getting on, you know, selected for England two years ago. We talk about him a lot as being a key player for us, but it seems like in a way he's kind of started to to, to, to drop out of the equation a bit for England. Yeah, I, I would just kind of say at, at the start, I think it's also credit to Dan Cole that he was able to come back from, from that four years ago and rightly or wrongly be the starting tight head and play pretty well in that, in that semi-final. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, Will Stewart's a 27-year-old lad at this point. Um, and, you know, this and certainly the next World Cup, are when he should be in this between now and the next World Cup cycle, is when he as a prop should be coming into his prime. And I do think we haven't seen the um, progression maybe that we would have liked over probably the last two seasons. Um, when, you know, he was a, a borderline British and Irish Lion um at one point when that tour went to South Africa. And, and, and at that point, you're thinking, yeah, he's nailed on as, as, as definitely in the 18 shirt, if not the three shirt mm-hmm. for England, come that World Cup. Um, you know, now that Cole is probably out of the picture, do we see Stuart kick on in an English shirt? Maybe. I think it's really tough, though, for, for, for someone like Stuart, who's on the periphery of that, that England side, getting called into all of the squads, not always being available for Bath and, and not always being kind of able to get a, um, a consistent run of games together. So maybe that's making excuses for the guy, but I, 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 I think it can be not worrying because I think when he comes back to the Premiership, he is a, a, an exceptionally good Premiership tighthead. But I think for the aspirations that, that he would have had and that we had for him when he burst onto the scene as a, as a 23, 22-year-old prop from Wasps to Bath, He's maybe not hit those heights. No, and I think you you touched on a point that I think is important, and that is that when he comes back to the Premiership, it seems like he's a you know he's a top level tight head at that level. Mm. But I think the level of propping and the stocks of props that we have in the Premiership is pretty poor compared to other countries, and I think that's why we see this complete dominance of teams like South Africa against against the, the the guys that we're able to put out. I mean, if you look at the guys that he'll be backing down against in the Premiership, so Mahler, Genge and Rod, only one of those really is a is a decent, is a really, really good scrummager in, in Joe Mahler. And then outside of that, there's just a massive drop-off of, mm. of, of quality. And I think the RFU have just started a specific front-row training um, and development pathway because they are concerned that we're not bringing through the the, the, the the you know the standard of props that we need to. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting one, but it is also kind of made 
made more stark by looking when you play South Africa, right? And and, and we haven't necessarily struggled throughout the World Cup. Um, South Africa are just on a, on another level. Yeah, and just one maybe for the rumour mill before we move on. Um, I've, I've yeah, I've kind of been been picking up a few noises of of you know how our squad's going to look look next year and um, hearing potential noises, G of of Will Stewart having a having a sniff around King's home. So um, well, let's keep that one. Um, let's keep our ears close to the ground on that one. Certainly hope that we we don't lose him because he is, and hopefully as he gets better as as you as you foresee will, he'll continue to be a key player for us. Yeah, let's. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> um, talking about King's home, talking about Gloucester, talking about Bath. It's been a massive turnaround in the Premiership this season as we look ahead to Bath's next fixture. I think the West Country sides made up four of the bottom five sides. Um, last at the end of last season, but now make up four of the top five sides. Um, and Leicester and Saracens are the two sides rooted to the bottom, um, which is pretty nice to see. We played Saracens last week. This week at the wreck, it will be Leicester Tigers. They have also lost two from two with just the one losing bonus point picked up. They are missing a hell of a lot of boys, though. Yeah. So just going, we were having a chat, weren't we, earlier and going through lads still involved in the World Cup. So Dan Carl, we mentioned, Ben Youngs, George Martin, and then Jasper Visa, um, Andre Pollard, at least a Kieran Pollard there for cricket fans. And um, <laughs> well, he'd probably be quite handy, oh, to be fair. Um, and then the small matter of Julian Montoya as well, the Argentine captain. So they are missing some, some guys. And obviously, coaching-wise, has been complete mm. overhaul with Borthwick Walters and and Wigglesworth moving to the to the England setup and Dan McKellar coming in in you know with basically a, a blank sheet of paper mm. not having had many of his top players available so a very difficult start for Leicester but you know in the same way as we kind of said against Saris it feels like we need to take advantage of of what is a little bit of chaos at a club who over the last few seasons have been hard to beat. It's the time when we want to get them. Mm. We're on form. We're, we're 10 points from 10. Let's have. Let's not even think about that. Let's just... All guns blazing. Let's try and get those five points and take advantage of this part of the season. Yeah, it almost feels like we've had the, the, the perfect start in a way. You know, Newcastle at home is a nice start because yeah. it just gets you off, kick-starts the season. And then to face these two sides who are probably the most affected by internationals and during the World Cup period and, and Leicester in particular who are a club that are, are kind of turning over a new slate, new coaches and, and, and some mm. new players, particularly in the pack, Tom. You mentioned all of those boys, but um, yeah, the absences of kind of Montoya, Visa, Martin who and Cole who have become kind of the, the staple of, of that team. And you look at the packs that have been put out against Bristol in their first defeat, um, and then against Sale in their second defeat. And, and, and yeah, they're not to the same level of the pack that Leicester have been able to put out in previous seasons. Um, there is still some quality in the back line. Dan Kelly, Guy Porter, Ollie Haskell-Collins, and Josh Bassett. It, it, it's quite a tasty back line, but I think up front, this is an opportunity for, for Bart to, to real stamp, stamp a, a bit of authority on the season. If Benno can come back, you know, Thomas the Toy and Tom Dunn only played 30 minutes, a massively impactful 30 minutes, but only 30 minutes at the rack, uh, uh, sorry, at the Stonex on 
on Saturday. So, yeah, real opportunity for Bath to, to, to keep this run going. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how Johan chooses to manage his squad here. I think he's very savvy at picking opportunities where the odds are on our side, be it because of other you know international fixtures or the run that we have coming or players coming back from injury. I think he's very savvy at picking his moments. And I think we're going we're gonna to tell a lot as to when he's going to pick his moments by which side he picks out. And to me, looking from, from the outside in, this feels like an opportunity to put out our big boys in mm. the front five against what is a, a weakened Leicester um, pack and to try and bully them and to try and win the game that way. Um, and I think, yeah, on Friday at midday when we see the, 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 the selection, I think we'll get a good sense for, 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 for what he's going to try and do. Yeah, can't wait for, for this one. Seven point favourites with, with the bookies bath, which is a pretty remarkable turnaround from, from the last couple of seasons against Leicester. And we're on TNT for the first time of the season. First bit of TNT action. Yeah. I haven't really watched too much of it either. So um yeah, interesting to see what that production is like. Lots of people will be heading down to the wreck, hopefully see a really strong crowd. Um, unlike the crowd that, that was at Newcastle. If you are going, check out Tom Dunn's Black and White Butcher stand next to the Swift Half. And please enjoy the game. It's been a great start to the season. Tom, thanks for joining me. Off to your BBC commitments now. Um, Busy man. And thank you very much for listening. Share the podcast, 10 from 10, who could have thought it? Stick behind the boys through a lot of thick and hopefully not too much thin.